You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Van William. I'm really excited about sharing this chat with you because, I mean, with this chat, I learned about such a different side of Van, a man I've known for the last few years. I've worked with him a handful of times with his colorful band, Waters, and now that he's gone solo, he's been showcasing a side of himself that none of us really expected to witness. On this talk, we go into his debut solo album, Countries, an album that explores the concept of what a home could be and should be. It's an album that delves into how common it is for us to feel confused by our own experiences, but how there's still a beauty to be found within that uncertainty. It's a beautiful body of work. You're going to love it. This is the 405 Exchange with Van William. Enjoy. So I've known you for some years now, as far back as when Waters opened up for Delta Spirit. And this new body of work that you have is pretty surprising to us who know you. But I wonder, like, the first, like, with the EP, like, I want to go back to the EP a little bit. When you were done making that, did it feel surprising for you? Um, not really, I guess. You know, I think mainly because I've been working on those songs for so long, um, and my band uh, that I was in before Waters called Port O'Brien, that was kind of more, uh, kind of more similar to what was going on, what's going on with this, uh, with Van William. So it's kind of, um, to me, nothing really was too surprising about it coming from Waters, just because with Waters, I always felt like um, I was in some ways like, um, putting together this project or putting together this band. And I was just kind of like overseeing this thing. Whereas with the, with Van William, it's more just a direct, um, a direct response to what I was going through and, 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 and everything in my life. So to me, it, it wasn't surprising, but I can totally understand if you had just heard waters, how, how it would be. Yeah. Like, I think what's really intriguing to me is that when I heard like the revolution EP, it like what was really great about the way the songs were structured. It reminded me how you can know somebody, even if just on a tertiary or a little like you know in a minor way, and they could be going through things in a very reflective way that you wouldn't be aware about until they write about it. And I mean, was it kind of catharsis for you writing these songs? Oh my god, one hundred percent. That you know, I, I started writing these songs um, during some pretty like pretty tough periods you know my um i thought that i had um experienced whatever you know heartbreak in the sense that people write songs about and um and you know write stories about and everything i thought i had experienced that and then um fast forward a little bit and then i actually did experience uh that heartbreak and it was like holy shit you know it, it uh it was way more powerful than uh, <laughs> than uh, than i could imagine and um you know it was it was it was a really tough time and i was on tour with waters and, and going through that at the same time um and then my dad um surprised me by saying that he was going to be retiring and selling the boat up in Alaska, which I had always uh, foreseen as this other career path. 
um, and something that requires a pretty like direct uh, handoff of of power from one captain to the other. And so when he he when he when I heard that he was retiring, I knew that that door was closing for me, which really spun me out too. And I'm I'm still pretty fucked up about that. Um, so those two things at the same time just like left me reeling. Um, I was just free falling there for a while. And the only thing that I had, um, really other than, you know, um, friends and family, but there's only so much they can do. Uh, the only thing I had was just this record. I just buried myself in it, man. Like even on tour with waters, I'd be like listening to demos on my headphones over and over and over and daydreaming about making the record and, um, tweaking lyrics and tweaking the demos the whole time. Like I, I just became obsessed in a pretty unhealthy way <laughs> in some ways uh, with with uh, the creation of this record and EP. But what I, you know, I wonder with that, with specifically the record uh, countries, like when were you, when did it become obvious to you that a record was forming then? Like, I think I had had the idea for. Um, I had had the idea of making like another record like that um, for a while, and I was I was toying with the idea of calling it Port O'Brien for a while, actually. Um, and then once I got back from tour, I went to um, my parents have a cabin uh, in the Sequoia National Forest, and like three and a half, four hours from from LA here, and I went there just with myself, well, my dog. Um, and I stayed there for a pretty good amount of time. You know, there's no f cell phone or internet or anything. And I just worked on the songs there. And that is when they all came together. That's when I was like, okay, not only are these not water songs, this is a new, this is an entirely new thing. And fuck man, I already have like eight songs, um, in, you know, various forms. Like let's, let's do it. So it was mainly, I think it all came together in this kind of like come to Jesus moment up, um, up at my, up in my parents' cabin. Wow. You know, it's, it's just so fascinating to hear you talk about, especially at the beginning when you were talking about like how you went through, you know, that real breakup, that real like kind of heartache. And I think what's really intriguing to me about that is that I think something that doesn't get discussed enough is that when you um, go through heartache, you really do find yourself having to remember what it's like being a human being almost like how to be like an independent type yeah. of entity and then you yeah. go to make this record and it's almost like i mean you must have learned so much about yourself just by making this album absolutely you know that's a really good point because i was i was with uh, my ex for six years and before that i was with um cambria from port o'brien for six years and there was very little um, gap in between so Basically, like my entire adult life, I had been in uh, <clears throat> committed long-term relationships. And I think you're right. Like, of course, in, in the context of that, like you are going to lose a bit of yourself to the relationship in, in ways that, are, uh, that can be unhealthy. And so that was another part of the puzzle was like that was so like fucked up for me. It was like I, I, not only was I like heartbreak broken and devastated, but I was also like, how the hell do I do anything um, just alone? With like, it really like made me realize that I had a lot of uh, growing and uh, learning to do. Yeah, that must have been really something else. Like, 
you know, I want to I want to touch back on the album, but uh, before I do, I wanted to ask about like I mean, I'm sure the song is going to be on the EP, but the song you did with First Aid Kit, I really wanted to ask about how that came about because that was a really yeah. nice surprise. Yeah, that um, that was a really nice surprise to me too. That <laughs> I um, I've been friends with them for a long time. You know, um, their first tour ever when they were just teenagers was opening up for Port O'Brien in Europe on a tour. Holy shit. I did not know that. Yeah. That was their first tour. And, um, you know, we were both at during back then we were totally different parts of our lives and I was going through some stuff and, um, you know, it was nice, but we didn't like become like super close friends. Um, and then, you know, they live in Sweden, I'm in California, blah, blah, blah. But we kept in touch a little bit. Um, and then I ran into them at a party in LA, um, about a year and a half ago. Um, and we just instantly connected. It was like, it was so weird, man. It was like all of a sudden we hadn't talked or seen each other in years and we were just in something we had both, we'd all changed in a way that led us together somehow, I guess. And we were just like instantly best friends. It was so insane. And now, um, we started hanging out every day, um, <laughs> when they were here and I sent them the record and I sent them revolution, which at the time was just me singing. Um, and they wrote back immediately, um, you know, saying basically like, can we please, can we please sing, um, on revolution and can we please make it like a, a duet? And I was like, like a feature. And I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, obviously that's what I'm dreaming of. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like, you know, think it was going to happen. And they're like, no, we, we have to like, that song is beautiful. That song's going to be a huge song and we really want to be on it. So I was like, well, of course. And they came and sang on it in LA the next day. So it was like a week after I met them really, um, uh, or reconnected with them. Um, and now, yeah, now we're legitimate best friends. Like I just <laughs> talked to them on the phone yesterday for like three hours, like, um, collectively so yeah it's been a really nice and and i really needed them and and for what i was going through and they've been really supportive to me and um i'm I'm really looking forward to tour next year it's going to be it's going to be like a feel like a family affair that's amazing what i love so much about that like that whole story is that like you always hope that artists connect in that way but it's the type of thing like not that it happens rarely, but it just doesn't. I, th- I don't think it happens with the level of frequency that us music lovers hope and wish that it does. So to hear a story like this, it's totally something just out of like, uh, wow, artists really do c- like have their own language, their own like way of just understanding each other. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, I've talked to a lot of people who just assume that maybe it was like something the the labels put together or, you know, like managers or something that this was like everything that was made on this record. Um, was done before it had any sort of team behind it. You know, like I booked all the time myself, paid for the record myself, and, and same with this first take thing. No one even really knew what was going on. So it was really, um, really natural and organic, and I'm so grateful to have them. They, they actually sing on, um, I don't know if that's out there, but they actually sing on 4th of July and um, Before I Found You as well, but just like, you know, harmonies, so. That, that's fantastic i do yeah. want to ask about uh more stuff but i just want to like go a little bit like slightly deeper into this because I, i've had some run-ins with them over the years and what really like amazes me about them 
uh, for people listening who are familiar with first aid kit is that you see them on stage and they're so lovely and they, they are lovely people. But what yeah. really blows me away when they're off stage is they're so focused and so clearly dedicated to what when they're working. Like they're always very on. It's really amazing to see. It really is, man. They're like the most professional, hardworking musicians that I have ever really been around. It's really inspiring to see them. Like just in this phase too, when they're just doing like press and setup stuff, it's like, it's amazing to see how dedicated they are and focused um, to their, to their craft. It's really, it's really inspiring. That's really something else. You know, um, I love the short film that you put up on Facebook about growing up in Alaska. And for yeah. those and for those listening who haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend checking it out. You mentioned before about how uh, your dad's retiring and how he's selling his boat. And the short film touched on a lot of that. And also like how, in a way, Alaska is always going to be a home to you. I'd love to hear you talk a bit more about it because I really did love watching that. Yeah, that was... Um that was a really amazing opportunity that we had to make something like that. You know, I've been going up to Kodiak my entire life um, every summer uh, since I was born and to say goodbye to it in a real way, it was hard to think of that in any way to, to get closure, you know? So luckily, um, Sylvia Grav, who's this amazing uh, photographer and videographer was able to come up there and kind of capture it. Um, which really helped me um, process saying goodbye. Actually, just the you know the um, the process of being of talking about it and, and sh- kind of showing the camera different things about it, and then being able to release it um, to the world was was a really nice opportunity. Especially because on Facebook there was it went sort of kind of, you know viral ish. Um, not <laughs> I don't know how how you really get there, but it was <laughs> among you know, it had like, you know, 50,000 views in, in the first day or something. And, um, to me, for me, that's, that was huge. And I looked up like who's been watching it and it's like almost all, uh, Alaskans. Really? And, yeah. And somehow it got started getting shared in, um, these like Facebook groups for commercial fishermen and Kodiak Island. And so I got, um, so many messages, uh, from people who I used to fish with or knew from the island um, or knew my, you know, grew up with my my dad there or my mom, and it was this really cool opportunity to kind of um, feel a connection with that community. And um, there's something, you know, there's something about commercial fishing on Kodiak and Kodiak in general that you can't really get unless you uh, spend time there and, or if you live there for a while. And because of that, I think co- people from Kodiak have this this really strong connection to each other. And, um, it was, uh, it was a really, it was a really special thing to, to have. So yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of the video. I'm really proud. It's really like fascinating to hear you talk about it, especially because, and especially that last part, because I remember on the post for the video, like in the text, I remember you wrote some little lines of, of like, um, Alaska has always been a big part of who I am. And I wonder, do you feel that's something you've always felt conscious of? Because I think what's interesting is the fact that like, people come from different places and like a lot of the times we have i would say like the good majority of us we have this burning desire to get away and make our who we want to be elsewhere but you seem to be so accepting of the fact that where you came from made you who you are 
Yeah, yeah. I think that I kind of are always have been that way. I've never, um, you know, I, I'm from two small towns, like Kodiak and Cambria in California. And I've always, um, I've always embraced the, the towns. You know, I've been like frustrated and stuff growing up a little bit in Cambria just because it's so small and there's not a ton to do. But like, I, I always just, I always just loved it. Um, and so with Kodiak, it was always this escape and this part of my identity that was so ingrained in me that I was always pretty proud of it and happy to be there. Um, like, especially as a kid, um, you know, growing up, I, I would be daydreaming about my summers all, all year. It was the best part of my year was to just disappear uh, onto Kodiak Island for th over three months. You know, I wouldn't see any of my friends uh, from, from school, any, anybody, um, for, for three and a half months. And I loved it. I thought maybe that says more about how I'm kind of a loner, um, <laughs> than anything else. But, um, yeah, it, it, it has always been very obviously, um, a huge like part of who I am. I mean, I think what makes what's beautiful what you said just now too, is that, I mean, when you consider what you do for a living and like how, you know, I mean, I think so many people see, like, you know, the pictures of performing on stage and, you know, all those types of things. I think being a musician is the greatest thing in the world, and it is really great. But there is a lot of, like, weirdness and intensity that comes with being a, like, full-on musician. And imagine being able to go to a place like Kodiak, just, it must bring you, like, a sense of, like, peace and perspective. Like, would that be fair to say? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially uh, as I got older and started working on the boat, um because you know out on the boat it, there's no uh, not even close to anything resembling a phone uh, or internet you know you're way the hell out there um you know up to 27 hours away from any civilization and um that is really really good for my mind you know i can get uh i can get really bogged down by my phone and the internet and the constant stream of information it's, it, my brain's not really well wired to, to deal with <laughs> to deal with all that stuff yeah um, and so to just be out there on the boat and to not have that option and to just be able to kind of like fully embrace this other sort of uh, lifestyle that is just about physical labor and just about uh, the strategy that goes into commercial fishing for salmon, um, it's really, it's really something that I'm going to miss because I don't see any parallel or any other thing remotely like that in terms of an opportunity for me, um, or, or anyone like it. It's a very singular opportunity, um, to completely turn off from the world in one sense, but then feel even more alive and awake in this other sense that can, that you can bring back to you, um, bring back to your like civilized life, we'll call it. And, um, and kind of use it to, uh, put things in perspective. <clears throat> you know, something I want to touch on a bit deeper, uh, and you know, you mentioned this in the beginning of the talk, but you mentioned how, uh, before he was going to sell the boat, you always had in mind that one day you'd potentially retire. Well, you would potentially take on the boat and, you know, you would do that. It, I find that really interesting because like so many and, and you know especially being in California and you've been in New York so many times I'm sure you're beyond aware of the fact that like in regards to what you do so many people see it as like 
the only thing they want to do and the only thing they could see themselves doing. But for you, you had it like, maybe one day I'll do this instead. Uh-huh. Where do you think that came from? Yeah. Well, I think for one, um, it's just like the realist uh, side of my brain, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think of myself first and foremost as a songwriter and as an artist. But, you know, but what comes along with that just... Um, you know, the nuts and bolts of it are a pretty uh, economically uh, frightening <laughs> career. Uh, you know how, how uh, the music industry can be. Um, so I was always attracted to the, the more, um, you know, physical labor and just intense, um, you know, it, it's just such a, such a stark contrast between somehow making money through art and then something very romantic about catching as many fish as possible and there's a price that is set for those fish and you make a certain percentage of that and it's all very um it's all very ironed out and it's it feels very real in this other sense and something about that um is really attractive to me and and romantic in a way that i find um sustainable so i was always kind of torn between those things like i wanted to you know be an artist and and a musician full-time but at the same time felt as i've always felt a little terrified about um the career aspect of that um and so now that i don't have that kind of that fishing thing in the background and i'm just kind of like only only have music really um as a as this career path it it has um it has been really scary at times um and there's definitely been some moments where i feel like i'm losing it um but at this at the end of the day it's a way more uh it's it's better because i I can just you know there's nothing to fall back on anymore you know really so it's in a way it's it's it, it keeps my feet to the flame no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think we should also like a little bit explore what you, you mean when you say this, because I think there's some people who are listening who might be a little bit confused, but I think what's really important to touch upon is, um, you know, when you were talking just now, it reminded me of, um, there's this comedian who used to be alive, uh, Patrice O'Neill, and he used to always talk about the frustrations he had with the entertainment industry. And he would talk about, like, he would try to, like, make you know, like people of regular jobs, you know, for lack of a better word, try to understand those frustrations. And what he would say is that like, when you're at an office and there's hierarchy, you could work really hard and feel like you're not getting your due and you could uh, complain to someone and then potentially you could get your due. But in the creative world and entertainment, there's not really anyone you could complain or vent your frustrations to. Not at all. You just <laughs> no, you just come off in a, in a terrible light. If, if yeah. But, but, the, yeah, so, but the complaining yeah. comes from how you value yourself, which is kind of, that's the thing. It's like we as people need validation just innately. And what's weird about the entertainment world is validation exists, but in such a minute way, which is kind of insane. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I think, part of the, the thing, too, why, why touring can be so addictive is because it's one of the few times with this quote unquote job that you feel um, connected to the audience or you, you feel like there's some kind of immediate direct response to what you're doing. So on tour, you know, every night you're playing really intensely and after every song, like people are applauding and they're watching and they're engaging in this very immediate way. 
And that's really the only time in this job where it feels like that. And most of the time you're just in a void, you know, like making a record or working on artwork or whatever. You're just kind of like in your own head all the time, making your own hours. And it's really, really uh, challenging at times. But on tour, it's like, oh, my God, it's like this this back and forth, you know, like I give then I get and I, this back and forth thing. And so um, that's kind of the only part of the job that feels uh, in, in some ways like a like other careers to me but um but yeah it can be it can be really isolating um especially now that i just like you know i'm not on tour i'm done with the record um and i'm just you know occasionally talking to nice nice people like you and um you know otherwise just kind of like hanging out and waiting and fiddling around and like just you know buying tickets for star wars and um you know just in my own world like it's it, it's very, uh, it's very psychologically tough at times. Yeah, I can definitely imagine that. You know, but you know, with what you said about touring, that leads me to wonder: what's it been like playing tours? Uh, well, touring and playing shows as Van William. What's that been like? It's been great, man. It's been really great. We have uh, an amazing band, and we can do it in some different ways. Like I have done a few solo shows. Like I, I played, I opened for First Aid Kid in London, just solo. Um, which was t- completely terrifying. Um, but usually I have um, a four piece, sometimes a five, but on the first aid kit tour we're doing is a three piece. So it's been kind of nice to just be able to like shuffle around, shuffle the band around to fit various, um, you know, opportunities. But it's been amazing. I have a, an amazing band um, with amazing singers, and it, it's been a really. I feel because I feel these songs so much and this is the most, you know, by far the most personal and raw record I've ever made by far. And, you know, because of that, singing the songs live is can be um, a really like transcendental experience. That's beautiful, though. Like, have you ever experienced that before or is this the first time you experienced that type of like, you know, experience on stage, like the way the songs hit you? To this degree, I mean, I've experienced flashes of that in the past. There's always been a couple moments of certain songs. I, I can even think of specific moments of water songs that I connect with in the way, and it really will be just a moment, like one bar of a song or one note or something that will, for some reason, turn something on in my brain and make me think about, you know, what um, <clears throat> what caused the that what was the impetus for that song. But for this record, it's basically the entire set. So um, it can be exhausting, <laughs> you know, um, by the end of it. Sometimes I'm just so emotionally wrapped up in, in every moment that it can be it can be um, it can be a lot to take. But it's so rewarding and um, to, to be able to engage with the audience after and talk to people now that are that have been hearing the songs because we made the record from such a ground up way and because you know it was so it's such like a a personal project every step of the way it's it's hard not to be really um really inspired by just anyone coming and listening and knowing the words like it 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 really makes me feel um incredible to engage with the audience in that way with these songs that's really beautiful you know before i let you go i want to touch on one more thing uh specifically uh, I mean, it's been really great getting to go deeper within the EP, the record, you know, how all this came together. And with hearing you talk, it sounds like, you know, you're so focused in regards to how you feel about this music. But all I could find myself wondering with talking to you more and more about this is, and I think you have a feeling what I'm going to ask next, but like, 
what do you think this means for the future? Like when you make a record like this, the where you go so deep and you go so bare within your feelings, can you do anything else after that in regards to like music like this or in the way you made it? Like, what do you think making music like this will do for you in the future? That's a good question. I, um, I, I'm not sure really, you know, you, you really, it's really hard to know until you, until you're in it. But I mean, I've already started to write and think about the next record. Um, and to me, I, I do think that once you, once you go down that rabbit hole and once you realize like how deep you can really get with yourself and, and how you can connect that to songs and to recordings and, and transfer that over, um, it's, I, I would find it pretty impossible to do anything else. Um, you know, obviously for this record, I was going through a, a bunch of terrible, like terrible shit. Um, and there, you're not always going to have that going on to pull from. Um, so you might have to dig a little deeper in some ways and, and, and pull things from it. Not as so much a, an immediate place, but things that have been buried deep down. Um, but I don't think I'd, I'd ever be able to make a record um, and I never have, that's completely void of, of any of that, but this level of, um, of, of rawness, I guess, um, this level of like, uh, with such a straight line from what I feel when I'm like, you know, at, in my bedroom at night, like stoned, like thinking about shit, the direct line from that to what made the record is so direct is so so direct that I don't think I'll ever be able to make a record that that lacks that. Wow. Well, I mean, just like I can only imagine what it felt must have felt like listening back to this record, like after it was done. Like, oh my god, it was yeah, such. A, and I mean, I think like all musicians, uh, I've talked to so many of my friends and bands about this, and like when they make a record, they listen to it all the time at first, you know, on headphones, and. Um, and then and then after a while just never again you know that's how i've been with all the records like in the process like i'm like oh my god you know i'm listening to this all the time and then like, three weeks later something uh, you know there's a switch that flips and you're like i can't i can't ever again um but this is the first record ever yeah that i i was like that and i still once in a while will listen to it and i'll be like man this is this is good <laughs> that's amazing that you could feel that way Van, thanks yeah. for chatting with me I, I mean you're gonna be here in february for the beacon show that's gonna be awesome man yeah i can't wait hopefully you'll be around yeah I, I think i definitely will be i mean that's such a beautiful venue and it's so fitting for both them and for you uh for people listening i'm talking about the fact that van we mentioned this briefly but you'll be opening up for a first aid kit in february so that's gonna be amazing yeah all throughout the u.s and all of europe yeah man people definitely check that out that's gonna be awesome fan thanks again for chatting with me man it's always a pleasure chatting you know catching up thanks, with you thanks so much for uh for taking the time i really i really appreciate it no of course thanks dude i appreciate it i can't wait to hear the record more in full yeah yeah look forward to getting it over to you yeah okay cool well it's great catching up man i'll talk soon yeah sounds good all right see you